1: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, and really anyone in that Steelers organization that's looking to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. And so... This week, we're one step closer uh, into this offseason. The season's almost over with the Super Bowl coming up in just a couple of days' time. The LA Rams against uh, Cincinnati Bengals, a rival that we know well. You know, and there's going to be much to learn out of how these two teams have put Super Bowl-winning rosters together Uh, and and for the Bengals in a fairly short space of time as well. And and it's something that I'm going to actually focus on next week around trading back in the draft because if you look at the way – that LA have built this team. Um, you look at the way that they're getting value from certain picks in this draft. It's not those necessarily top, top tier guys, but I'm going to save that one for next week uh, because I guess if LA, LA win the Super Bowl, it'll uh, really validate some of that discussion point as well. But this week, as I said, we're moving closer through this off season. Uh, we're moving closer to the NFL draft. We had the Senior Bowl last week. Uh, as part of All-Star Week. You have the Pro Bowl. We're not talking about the Pro Bowl on this show. Um, waste of time. But you have the Senior Bowl. You have the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, and you also had the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl uh, as well. So lots of you know, future rookies um, or you know, draft prospects uh, that were there for analysis um, across those three games. And I've made it through uh, basically most of those three games already. So the first part of this week's show, I really wanted to talk about free agency uh and some prospects there some free agent fits for the Steelers and then I wanted to talk in the second half of the show we're going to look at uh some key players to watch at the NFL combine that list has been announced in the last 48 hours 324 players I'm going to preview um an early 50 so 25 players this week and 25 players next week so But I think, you know, before we get into too much more of this show, get out your pen and paper. You might need to press pause uh, and go get your pen and paper and write a couple of these things down if you're really keen on the Combine and also um, from the free agency perspective. So say, part one, we're going to look at free agency, uh, 25 players for the Steelers to consider. And part two, we're going to look at 25 players touching the Combine. And you're going to get a bonus player profile on Chad Woomer, the linebacker or Chad Moomer, I should say. I mix it up. I heard someone mix it up once and now I'm mixing it up. Uh, but, you know, we're going to do a bit of a profile on him as we like to do on this show, which I do some, most, most weeks, uh, out of Wyoming, who's an interesting prospect for the Steelers and potentially the third or fourth round, and someone that said he's actually met um, with the Steelers as well in some of this pre-draft process uh, in, in, during Senior Bowl week down there in Mobile. So look, let's get to the free agency side. The first point I want to make about free agency really comes down to the fact that what the Steelers are going to do throughout this offseason, whether it's in the draft or the free agency, you can't look at them as standalone pieces. As I always like to say on this show, it's how the Steelers go about building a winning roster. Building a winning roster comes from these two places. Obviously, it comes from trades. It comes from the way you re-sign certain players. Um, it comes from the way uh, that you know you manage cuts. You know All of this is how you build a winning roster. And so... Even someone's draft need right now. If you look at a mock draft, I know I want to talk. I love a mock draft, but those will change. And you're seeing GM changes. You're seeing coaching changes. They all change the way a team might draft. Uh, remember that. You know, think about the Raiders and some of the players they've drafted that Mayo picks from you know, bigger schools. Think about the way some GMs or scouting you know, departments might go for a bigger player over a smaller player, prototype-style players over non-prototype-style players. They're all really key things to consider. And that's why I want to split this show in half this week because in the key positions for the Steelers, there's actually free agents that are on the market and then there are other positions where maybe there's not the free agent. So if they don't make a key re-signing in one position, they're probably going to need to drop someone there. Let's kick it off. So let's say 25 players, the first two are two wide receivers on the list. Now, I personally am hopeful they're going to re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. Some people say he's not worth the 8 Some people say, definitely say he's not worth double digits. I personally think $6 million with incentives. And, hey, if he pulls the incentives off, great. Maybe it's a 1,000 yards, have another mil, um, you know. Seven plus TDs, have another mill. I'd be happy with that. Uh, I'm sure Juju probably would be a bit, bit happy with that. Um, coming off an injury too, so I, I'm hopefully going to keep him. But if I look at the list of free agents now, assuming they're losing James Washington, assuming, I mean, who cares if they resign Ray Ray McLeod? Prefer not, but who cares? You know, and so they're losing James Washington, losing Juju, losing Juju, and even then with these two players, I think you go after them regardless. Is DJ Chalk? Um, who's currently with the Jags, uh, who had an injury, missed most of the season. Um, DJ Chalk there. And then I'd be going after Aquinas St. Brown out of, I don't know I missed his name there, um, out of the Green Bay Packers. I think that's pretty key. The thing I like about DJ Chalk, 26, 6'4", just under 200 pounds, LSU, top college, uh, just coming off of his rookie deal uh, kind of thing there. He's he's actually had some decent statistics in the league. Um, you know, he has been quite injured though through the through his you know career so far. Um so that's quite an interesting one, and that'll make him a bit cheaper. But you know, he's got uh 15 touchdowns in in you know, sort of three years almost up a full season's worth of play. Um, broke a thousand yards in 2019 um with eight touchdowns, average of 13.8. He's got good receptions, um, you know, a good reception number as well in both in both 2020 and 2019. So he's someone that I really like. Um, I think there he offers some value, as I say. I think he'll be a bit cheaper probably coming off that injury, uh, and that's going to be a real bonus for someone like the Steelers to potentially sign him. With St. Brown, um, and obviously his brother's playing for Detroit, he's only got one touchdown. Uh, he's less than 500 yards in his career across three seasons. Cheap. But he is a guy, I think, that can do something. Uh, And, you know, again, 6'5", 203 pounds, 26. What are you seeing there? You're talking about bigger guys. Now, people go, hey, you got Chase Claypool on the roster. Well, Chase Claypool doesn't use his body for me right now. He doesn't use it in the way that he should. And if I think about a Canada offense and I think about bigger tight ends, bigger wide receivers, think about a rookie quarterback potentially as well, even a veteran, you want big guys that can go and get the football. Um, and I feel like these are guys that can go and get that football. Um, you know, they can go over the top of other people catching traffic. You know, and I want people that are going to go down the field and be able to catch a deep ball or catching traffic. But the Den's going to open up DJ. You know, on those you know shorter and intermediate routes, open up Najee Harris um, as well. Like that—that's what I want to see. Um, and then there's many other names in this list, but you know, there are two guys that stand out to me. Um, and as you can see, they're kind of some bigger body players um, interested in seeing how that how that rolls. Then let's go to the tight end position. Uh, now, you're going, hang on, Matt. They have Gentry, Raider stepped up, probably a decent third. Tight end, obviously Freeman's there. Look, it's actually a really good rookie draft class, but we don't want younger guys. I think we need someone else besides Gentry who can block. I think Gentry you want there as a really top quality third tight end, and I think he's proving that. There are other guys. now. If we still still had Randy Feekner, I'd be saying look at OJ Howard, um, you know, to be better than um, you know, what Eric Ebron did. But instead, I'm gonna look at three guys, and one's Robert Tonyan, um, from the Packers, and I think what he's been able to do with them is pretty key. And what I actually should say as well is Jay Sternberger will be back um from the practice squad. He's a guy a lot, but he's more of that receiving sort of guy. Um, Robert Tonyan's probably a little bit in that bucket as well. He's a bit lighter, uh, but I think. What he does is incredible. I actually don't think he's available. Available if Rogers goes back, there's no way he was not going to want Robert Tony in there. So you know, it's just someone I I think I would love to see him and Freimuth in the same team, kind of a bit like how they had Hayden Hurst and um Andrews, uh, you know, in Baltimore, but. Yeah, so I really like Mo Ali Cox is someone that I'm really keen on. That guy is just a man mountain. Um, getting up there, though, uh, but 6'6", 260 pounds, can catch the football, busts, tackles, love him. I think the Colts would be dumb not to have him back. Um, but yeah, Ali Cox is one for me as well. And then the other guys are blocking tight end. Uh, then I know my count, my, you know, a counterpart of BTSC, uh, Michael Beck was keen on last season and I completely agree. And that was Micole Pruitt. Um, and last season he was with the Titans, I think he was with the Titans. He was back with the tight. was in the back of the Titans or he stayed with the Titans this season. Um, and me Pruitt. No. So he was the Vikings, Texans, then Titans then 49ers, uh, and then, you know, 49ers uh, and Titans this year went on and off practice squads, but like Miko Pruitt, someone I think is really cool in terms of blocking ability, um, and I think he's someone that offers the steel as something. Now he's thirty, six foot two, two hundred fifty one pounds, a bit different. But you saw the way he opened up John O. Smith uh, for the Titans, and you think about a Matt Canada offense, and you think about H backs and and use of fullbacks. He's someone that could be really, really helpful and experienced here that's a proven performer in that kind of role. I know that's different to what I've been saying with tight ends with Gentry, but I think he offers you more than Raider does. And I think this is TE's or tight end is going to be a really key position um, in, you know, for this team this year. Moving on to the tackle position. Um, you know, I said so these are 25 guys that are sitting here right here today, I think are really key in the free agency to still start look at. Um, it's Terran Armstead, obviously there. I think that's a name that most Steeler fans would be banning around right now from the Saints. Um, you know, assuming that they're not going to try and do anything but they really can't, they don't have the money to. Um Dwayney Brown from uh the Seahawks. Uh, he's someone as well that I think really needs to be looked at too. But he's pretty—he's getting up there in age. In fact, I think he's like 38, thirty-eight, thirty-nine uh, now, thirty-seven, I should say. So I think he's probably probably considering retirement. Um, the Steelers aren't—you know—necessarily going to win a Super Bowl uh, next season, or they're not a favorite to win a Super Bowl. So is he really going to come to the Steelers? That's probably questionable. Um, but Cam Robinson, someone there. Look, I'd be surprised. He isn't fully impressed at left tackle. You'd probably sit there and go Dan Moore Jr. Could he play on the right? Um, you know, we know that Dan Moore is better on the left. I just think if he's someone that's falling away and you lose a couple of other positions, I think you take a look at him. Um, I don't think you want to completely reject uh, that and, and what you might be able to do with Cam Robinson. But I don't want to pay overs for him. And that's my caveat with Cam Robinson you know, the market's got to be falling. Um, otherwise, there's not a lot of tackle. Uh, you know, you, they kind of need to be drafting someone in the top two rounds for this. Uh, if they really want it to uh to work there um so that 's going to be interesting uh Orlando Brown came up to me as someone that's contract's expiring as well, but i can 't see them not re signing him um you know so I think that that'll be happening uh so i didn 't really count him in the list then I look at guard uh, you know normal out of the jaguars um someone as well I know that Michael Beck 's keen on. Uh, you know someone I've, I've gotten in Madden regularly regular over the last couple of years. He's getting up there at 31, though, so you want to ensure that we're getting someone good, not a not a tra- repeat of Trey Turner. Um, then I've got in there Connor Williams. Now Connor Williams has had a mixed career at Cowboys, ex Texas Longhorn. I'm a fan. Look, he's 25, six foot six, 210 pounds. of Texas drafted second in second round, 50th overall. you can get him on the cheap right? You can get him under four mil. I, I take the pun on this guy. Uh, I do take the pun on this guy. I do go after him. You know, I look at, I look at what he might be able to do, uh, you know, for, for my team this year to build some depth, I think, you know, in a line with Dotson um, and next to Kendrick Green, perhaps he could be good. I haven't really jacked too much of the scheme fits out with him because I haven't watched him since he joined the Cowboys that much. But I know he's someone that I have heard he has very had very on and off experience. But he played in 17 games this year, almost 80% of the snaps. I've heard they're not really going to look to bring him back. Um, now, that again, that could change by the time we get free agency. But he's someone that apparently will be let to go to free agency. Um, You know, so he's someone I think you look at. Uh, then you got I've got Matt Scura as well. Uh, he played with the Giants 29. Matt Scura is someone that's floated around a bit. I don't think he's let anyone down deeply. Why not? Um, why not there from, from that sort of mark? Then the center position. Now, look, I am keen on giving Kendrick Green a go again, obviously, on this show. You know, a bit of a fan of him. There's Ryan Jensen available. Look, if he is available, you go get him. I don't. I think you know someone's going to overpay him. I don't want to. You know, right now his current average pay per year on his previous contract's been ten and a half mil. I don't want to be paying him that. Um, he's probably was worth over eight mil. Again, I don't know whether you pay that. Um, and most of those fans think, well, if you don't go get him, you probably want Lindabom. He did play on this. 100% of the snaps that he played, 97.4%, which is pretty high, um, and that was only bettered uh, by centers that are free agents this uh, off-season by Ben Jones of the Titans, who played 97.9%. But he's 33, and probably um, you know they'll look to keep him to the chemistry with Tannehill. Matt Paredes is someone that I thought's an interesting name on that list, but again, he's getting he's getting up there in age. Um, but the other guys, guy I talked about last year, Austin Blythe, out of the Chiefs. Um, last year was with the Rams go grab him. Uh, he played one percent of the snaps because of Creed Humphrey, but I liked him on the, I thought he was a fit with the Steelers uh, last year. Go get him six foot two, uh, almost just under 300 pounds um, from Iowa. You know, he's made a really good career for someone that was drafted 248th overall by the Colts in the seventh round um, played four years with the Rams, one year with the Colts, one year with the chiefs. Um, you know, I, I think he, I think he's done pretty well for himself. Again, he's not someone that's going to absolutely blow the doors off, but he'd be a better depth piece probably than Hasenhauer, Um, and probably a better depth piece uh, than a couple of different guys you might draft as well. I think he has played a little bit at guard. I might be wrong there. So he does offer that versatility, but he's a lot better than having a BJ Finney come back as well. So that's Austin Blythe. Uh, that's the center position. Linebackers. Now, look. This is really interesting, and I think, look, I kind of am sitting here right now thinking that they go draft one, and that's why we're going to talk about Chad Woomer uh, in, in part two. I also like another guy, Darren Bibbs. I really like the linebacker class, but in terms of linebackers available that I'd be interested in would be J.M. Brown from the Titans. In an ideal world, I don't think he's going to be – they're going to let him go. Uh, They've also got Rashad Evans coming off contract. God, I'd love to grab him. I don't think he's going to be around either. I think they're going to – he'll be signed by them or someone else for a bit of money. Anthony Walker Jr. is an interesting one. He was a sneaky signing for the Browns last year, Uh, you know, from that perspective. Didn't play – a heck ton of snaps played like less than, um, he you know, played 60% of the snaps, uh, had 69 solo tackles, 44 assists, one sack, um, you know, two tackles for a loss, one quarterback hit, two pass defenses. Uh, that was sort of a second, his second best year of his career. 2020 was his best. Um, he's 27, six foot one, 238 pounds out of Northwestern. He's a guy, he's a guy I like. He's underrated. Uh, he's a bit faster as well, um, from my understanding. Again, I saw him as someone that was really underrated that went over there. Um, I think Bucky Brooks might have been talking about him a lot last offseason. He was sort of saying, you know, they get – the Browns really got a really good depth piece there with him. Um, you know, you say the Browns went seven, you know, um, you know, had, a, had a losing season there. But, you know, that doesn't mean that he's the worst player in the world. Then it's safety. Now – it's funny. You look in the draft at safety, and you don't want to spend that top, that much of a top pick on it. Uh, just now, this is a really amazing safety, right? But then you go and look at the uh, safety list, infra agency, and it's funny because when you look at the safety list, you're looking at guys that are free safeties and strong safeties. Obviously, Chukwuebuka Edmonds is strong safety for us. There's not a lot of guys there. Like, maybe Kareem Jackson, maybe, but he's 34. Like, if you think about what Jeff Hartman's been saying on the recent Let's Ride, we don't want someone old. We want to bring in some guys that have some years left. Um, again, I don't think he's necessarily the right guy you want to bring in there with the way the Steelers play and, and down-the-box safeties, et cetera. Jabril Preppers is a name for the Giants. I've always liked him uh, out of Michigan there. I think he does a lot. I think he offers you a lot. 213 pounds, 5'11", Look, the right money, go grab him for sure. He'll offer you a lot. Great athlete. Um, the other guy that is in there is uh, Kazee out of uh, – I just lost my notes for a second there. Out, of, He's playing with the Cowboys right now, 29. Again, 184 pounds. bit more of that free safety sort of guy, but do you allow Minka to do a bit more? Um, that's another key sort of interesting piece for me, but I, I think he's coming off and he's going to be a bit cheaper. He's a proven performer. But that's a depth piece more for me than actually the starting strong safety. Um, I kind of honestly like I think you sign you really got to re-sign Terrell to Edmonds. Um well, you're gonna to have to spend a high draft pick to get someone like the guy out of Baylor, um, Petery. Um, I think his name is uh, you know, Marcus May, you know, certainly sitting there, he's gonna want a stack of cash we don't want to pay. I really don't like a lot of the fits at this point in time. Uh, if I'm really honest. And so I think you really have to sit there and go, well, what are the Steelers going to do if you don't re-sign Terrell Edmonds? And he knows the system. He knows the system. Terrell, you know, Austin's back. Jeffrey Benedict has talked about the fact that, you know, um, since Terrell Austin's been there, Terrell Edmonds has gotten better. I just think you re-sign him. Just make it happen. Like Around five mils, somewhere, you know, either side, 800 grand, either side, you know, maybe you incentive bonus it as well. Um, and then if you make a pro bowl, if Terrell Edmonds is making a pro Bowl, that's going to be a pretty amazing feat with what Steelers fans think of him. And then classic is cornerback. Uh, I think the Steelers have to get better here through free agency rather than draft. I think where they're drafting, they have bigger needs at different spots. I don't want to wait till a third or fourth round. And right now to me, that's kind of when you wait based on the other talent that's on the board, particularly if you're drafting a rookie, um, a rookie cornerback. Dante Jackson's high up there on my list. Most people like JC Jackson. I'm not going to sit here and pretend he's on my list. He's on my list. But Dante Jackson's actually the guy I want the most, particularly in the slot. He's fast. He's one of the best cornerbacks in this free agency that's available. I really like the player. Um, Yes, I do use him on that and whatever, but he's – Four tackles for loss in 2018, one in 2019, one in 2020, three in 2021, four interceptions his first year out, three interceptions in 2019, three in 2022 last year. Um, for his forced two fumbles, uh had a sack. Um he generally gets more than 50 tackles. Uh when he you know in 2018, when he played six to all 16 games, he played 90% of snaps on defense, 25% on special teams. Um, he's only missed five games through his career so far up until this year. Um, I, I I really like him. I think mean, he's a really good player um, for me. Um, so yeah, that's where I think And he's uh, overdone it um, in his OTC valuation as well, which is an incredible thing for him. So Dante Jackson's my lead guy there. And I think either the Patriots go after JC Jackson or someone throws in money that we might not necessarily want to spend. I think that fills a key need um i don't think hayden's going to be the full slot guy then you can re-sign a kello um i think with the springs on my list there couple of two other cornerbacks to watch to round out my uh 20 top 25 is mike hughes from the chiefs um as well i think mike hughes is someone they've got a lot of guys uh that are coming out like chavis Ward. i really like as well Ch- I always mix his game. I don't even try and do it. It's hard when I've uh, got retainers in as well. Um, but my Q's, I like uh 25, 189 pounds, five foot ten, uh, statistic out of there from you know Kansas City Chiefs, a couple of interceptions, a few pass defenses. Um, missed a few games in 2018 and 2020. So I think you've got to factor in that into the contract that he's being offered. Um, same with Ward. I know he missed he's missing time, uh, four games this year. Uh, played 67.3% of the defensive snaps this year, 10 pass defenses, two interceptions. I can't see them not bringing Ward back, which might make Hughes available. And Hughes, if you can't afford a Kello, but you can't afford Dante Jackson, or it means that you can't afford a Kello, maybe he's a guy you look at. Um, But I need to look at more tape on Hughes. It's just a name that stands out to me as someone that we wouldn't be worse off for acquiring. And the other guy, which I don't know, I just feel like you take a, Bit of a pun on him. Some people go, no way. Um, but I, I don't think Trey Hendon's the worst player out of the Jaguars, but I do think he's going to get a smaller contract number. He's only had three interceptions so far in his career. Um, he doesn't mind tackling, which I think is a real big bonus with him. Uh, you know, they're a bit of a bigger, bigger cornerback as well uh, in the way he plays. Just again, he's a name there that I'm interested to see how he goes in free agency. And if the price is right, and that's what this show is it's a bit of the price is right, maybe you grab him. But look, we're going to take a break here on Steel's Warham. Jonathan, part two 25 players to watch in the combine as of the 324 that have been listed so far. And of course, we'll uh, be previewing Chad Muma out of Wyoming. We're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peveril, the host of the show that likes to put them in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Brandon Hunt. I, think I forgot him out of the first one. Maybe it's even Lewis Riddick in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? Maybe he joins uh, the Steelers as a GM or, you know, probably join after the draft. Um, but I don't know why you wouldn't bring him in early, sort of understand how Kevin Colbert does it. I think mean, that'd be a bonus. That's just me. Uh, but let's look at these combine plays first. And then we can do a deep dive into Chad. Numa, out of Wyoming, as I said, played for the Wyoming Cowboys. And I'll tell you a little bit about how that came about too. So 25 players to watch at the Combine. So I'm going to do 25 players next week, and then I'll do a quick run-off on this the week before the Combine starts. They've got five players at linebacker, seven players at cornerback, six players at O-line. Six plays at D line. I'll give you a reason why I want one of these guys are on the top 25 for me, and I'll do different positions uh next week. O line, you'll see these guys are mostly interior guys, um, that I'm focusing on, or guys that might be able to play in both sort of spots. Uh, but linebacker Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati, uh, he and myself and Shannon White really like him. I think he did a lot for them at the linebacker position, really core cool to the making the NFL college. Uh, NFL. the college football playoffs. Um, I think that's really key. Chad Moomer out of Wyoming. There'll be enough said in, in the second part of part two. We're going to be doing uh, Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin. I say that because he's going to be more of a run stopper. Um, I say that as well, because he's someone that a couple of years back, you would have thought would have been a much higher round draft pick, slipped down the rankings boards. Can he have a good combine? Is he someone that Steelers might consider in the fifth round? Just saying. Uh, maybe he's a sixth or seventh rounder. Uh, maybe you double up there. Devin Lloyd out of Utah. I say this because if he's there at 20, people call me, can call me stupid. I'm picking him over Linderball. I'm sorry, I am. They've got someone that can play center. They don't have, they need depth of linebacker because you're not bringing back Joe Schobert. Right. So you Devin Lloyd's on the board at 20. If you picked, if you straight up to go get Devin Bush, you go get Devin Lloyd. Um, man, machine out of Utah. I actually, though, when we previewed him on this show earlier on uh, in the season last year, Nephi Sewell out of Utah. I also like the idea of looking at Nephi Sewell, brother of uh, soul with the Detroit Lions. He's a guy that's going to be dropped pretty late. But I always like to think of, and the good example is Kevin Dotson and Robert Hunt. Um, with Robert Hunt going to Miami in like the second round, I think it was, and Dotson obviously coming to us um, in the fourth round. I and mean, Robert Hunt, obviously, I'm saying, got drafted by Miami Dolphins, not out of Miami. They're in um, La- Lafayette, Louisiana, University of Louisiana, Lafayette. Um, but Nephi still played alongside Devin Moyd, and Utah had a really good defense. Um, and so I think he's someone that's a little bit unsung. And so I just want to see what he does in the combine, because maybe he shows up enough. Cornerback. Andrew Booth out of Clemson. If he, I want to see how he does because if he drops and he's available, I'm not upset if the Steelers go draft him. Roger McCreary out of Auburn. I just like this kid. Again, he's someone there. If he drops even in the second round, I'm figuring out a way to trade back up into it. He's a great cornerback, Roger McCreary out of Auburn. Kobe Bryant out of Cincy. Someone that's going to be there rounds two to four. I want to see how he does. I really like these Cincy players. Uh... Kael Elam from Florida. He's someone that I've noticed has really slipped down the board. And I think he's there in the second round. So if you're not going, if you don't go, if you're not planning on drafting a quarterback, because you're probably going to go, I have to go offensive line, probably offensive tackle, where the guy's going to be off the board by round three, um, the way it's looking at the moment. Uh, then round three, you need a cornerback, and Kobe Bryant's someone that might just be there. Um, as I said before, but Elam could be there in round two. So if you get your offensive tackle, um, or interior offensive lineman in round one. He's a guy that might be sitting there in round two for you. Darian Kendrick, second or third round pick. We talked about him before on this show. We want to see how he shows up at the combine against the top guys. Alonte Taylor out of Tennessee, a guy probably right now rounds four to six. Really want to see what he can do as well. It's a name that crops up. I think he's a bit of a bigger guy. I think he's in the six two mark off the top of my head. It's been a while since I read his draft profile. Um, then you've got Isaac Taylor Stewart out of USC. Again, another fourth to six round guy, probably more like fifth to six. Bigger guy, bigger tackler, willing tackler. Where's he going to go? Um, and then the other one, which I've just seen really is often there late in mock drafts. So I want to see how he does, is Tarek um, Wooden out of UTSA. Offensive line. So Notice none of these names are the top picks because I want to see how these guys go against the top picks, how they measure up. There's guys here that are more steered to later in the draft. Daniel Falele out of Minnesota, Aussie, nine, three 381 pounds, man mountain, met with the Steelers. If he's available in the second round, you go grab him. Fantastic. Lovely. Bring him on. Bring it on. Big man. Yeah. Imagine him with green and Dodson. That's your interior. throwy, Love it. Um, Sean Ryan out of uh UCLA, keen to see what he can do. Uh UCLA had a good offense, and he's someone I haven't seen a lot of, so I want to see him at the combine, apart from watching his tape over the next couple of weeks. Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Some people don't like his leverage. He is a guy that can pull, took snaps at center, has played, um, you know, was doing that some work at center during senior bowl week. He's played defensive tackle, mostly played at guard. I love that versatility. Mike Tomlin loves that versatility. Um, he's one to watch because you know, Andrew Rubai even said in the Slack channel today when we were talking, he felt the Steelers might even just go grab Zion Johnson at 20, and he is a guy that's rising up those boards. Um, but he's got the tackle out of Michigan last year having a mental blank um, that so – J, I think it was. Anyway, he rose up the boards. Jalen Mayfield. Um and he rose up the boards, and then you haven't really seen him do a hectic hecton. I think he got peaked to like 28 or something there. Um, so but that was something all, all, a lot of us were thinking about. But I think Zion Johnson offers a bit more. Um, Zach Thomas out of San Diego State University always came to see what someone out of um, San Diego wants to do, but also just that sort of unique, that sort of uh college that's sort of not necessarily on most people's radars all the time. Cordell Volson. I have said him before on this show. I was previewing him as someone to watch last week. I want to watch him this week. He's someone that can play at guard as well that most people didn't think. He's out of North Dakota State, um, you know, where we obviously have seen Trey Lance come out of. He stayed another year. I don't think necessarily that worked great for him, but it didn't work last year because he only played the five games. So I think he's a super senior. Um, I want to see him show up at the combine. He's someone I just love the Steelers. The idea of the Steelers getting him in the sixth round. I just love it. Um, and the other one is Obina Eze out of TCU. I want to see where he falls because you see him projected in, look, correct, in the third round, I see him projected in the sixth round. I want to see how he goes against some of the other guys. Defensive line, Travis Jones out of UConn. He is a guy where we will be profiling. I love this guy. I've talked about this guy. I put him on a few other people's radar on BTSC. Absolutely biggest fan of this guy. Been on he's been on my radar since about November. Um, I just love him. And every and anyone, I, anyone who anyone looks at his tape goes, Wow, he showed up at the senior bowl, disrupted plays. Now he's on other people's radars. Again, he's sitting there in the third round at eight, and pick number 84. You don't shy away from Travis Jones. Haskell Garrett, I'm seeing to see what, to see what he can do from the Ohio State. The Steelers, as I said, on touchdown under this week with my co-host Marky D. The most players Colburn has drafted when his whole time at the Steelers, he's at Ohio State, where he's drafted. I think it's eight players out of the 175 players he's drafted. We've got Chris Hinton out of Michigan. He's someone that's really fallen down the draft uh, ranking boards. Again, I think some real value there um, potentially. But I'll leave it to Andrew Rubar and Jeffrey Bendit to talk more about Chris Hinton. I'm sure he'll feature when those when uh, you know the. The, the show that um, I'm going to blank the job Benedict and Michael Beck do during the off season. I'm getting to know the college players with Michigan. I'm sure he's a name that's going to crop up. Tyree Johnson out of Texas A&M, Texas A&M had a great year. Um, obviously bait Alabama. I want to see how this guy shows up. He had, it was a contributor. Then a guy, Andrew Wilbar's put on my radar out of Penn state, Jesse Laqueta I want to see what he can do because Andrew Wilbar has been talking about him. Andrew Wilbar knows a lot about the draft as well. Um, can you see what he does? And the other guy, the guy that got his helmet stolen um, and his jersey, because I think if he's there in the second round, sometimes you wonder whether the Steelers will pass up on him. But it's Perrion Winfrey. And I say that because Perrion Winfrey obviously won the MVP of the um, Senior Bowl, but he's also a player that I think is really rising up the rankings board. Some people seem still falling out of the first round. But how he goes at the combine will affect the way other people might go, and it also might affect it might change some of the teams that might be in on, that are in on pairing room Runf- that were let's say in on pairing room free two weeks ago versus what they are now. So that's my 25 to look at. Um a first impression 25 to look at, going to pick another 25 players next week in a few different positions. We'll look at a few more tackles specifically too. Um, probably i going to do the quarterbacks because you guys know the quarterback quarterbacks that you want to look at. Um But yeah, we're going to look at some wide receivers, um, some running backs, uh there some tackles and probably some safeties. So that's the 25 to watch from the combine. Now we get into the fun part of this week's show for me. And the whole thing's fun, but this is more fun. And that is Chad Moomer out of Wyoming. Chad Moomer, love this guy, right? Love this kid. He's been on my radar since late November, early December, maybe a little bit sooner than that, but really on my radar since then. One thing to note, and I sort of, as I said, the outline of this show, you've got to think about the draft and the free agency together. But when you think about plays in the draft, You've got to temper your evaluation. You've got what you get on tape unless you follow a team inside out um, and you're watching that, you know, week in, week out. Again, though, you still have to temper that until the draft process occurs. So I want to temper my evaluation on him until this draft process, um, you know, continues in terms of exactly where I think he'll fall. But he is a second or fourth round pick right now. Um, I think his 40 time against the other linebackers will be key um, and pro day test as well, obviously. And this will determine if he's an early day two or he falls to an early day three, you know, that's that second or fourth round. Although it's remiss, I think for anyone to miss the fact he's six three according to the numbers I could pull up, um, which means that even if he gives up a few tenths of a second, he's going to have a bigger stride. And that, I think his stride shows up on plays at the tape that I've watched. To me, he's got a great motor. On tape, you see him um, take what I, I think I'm going to start calling it, um, what was the type that so cited it, the can. cam commitment approach that's the cam haywood commitment approach of following the play getting back up once you've done your job and trying to do actually someone else's job who's making a mistake and i said this to shannon white who's actually written an article this week i haven't read it yet i wanted to give you my takes on it and then i'm going to get to go enjoy reading it after this which you should too um he wrote an article this week on behind the steel curtain your one-stop shop for all things pittsburgh steelers on uh chad uh, Moomer and we were talking about him and that just made me really want to profile him this week. Um, but yeah, so I think he's really got a cam Mittman approach um, following the play, making tackles, even when he's done his prescribed job, he's a proven commodity having led the FBS in tackles. Um, he's also, you know, he's just a really key player in this linebacker position that's really moved up the ranks. Um, some of the other things I like about him. Okay. I can't overstate this enough. Tackling technique. Now we've seen that come back to haunts and stealers in the past, um, you know, and, and, and such an unfortunate event, but when you look at the tape and for a guy that is six, three Chad Newman's tackling technique is good. He gets low to the ground. He goes for their ankles, the height and position is not trying to wor- wrestle them up top, unless there's a few of the guys and they're driving them way backwards for a massive loss. You know, he uses his height to collapse on smaller players, which I know what that's like. I used it to my advantage a lot when I back in the day when I played rugby. And this comes sometimes you see from some blokes is actually a real lazy way of tackling. Not him. He uses it to stop the play. Uses it to stop yardage. And it's it really does show up. Uh, and and I think that that's a real advantage he's got with uh, being six three. Apologies dough drink in the background. Um, but this also makes a big difference with how much power he can put in when he, you know, he's hitting running backs as well. Um, many of whom are you know, obviously on the shorter sides. And again, you see him go at their ankles. I love this. I love this because it stops him in their tracks and it gets them down. It means that he's not playing a power game. You know, and if you're playing a running back like a Najee Harris, you know, which he'll, he could maybe, even if the Steelers draft him, get to go up against in practice, um, you know, you're going to get below the stiff arm right, or get below the truck. That's what, you, it's what you're kind of trying to do there. Um, so that that's what I like about that. Special teams, he plays it. Uh, blocked a field goal as well on some of the highlights I was watching. Uh, he's a worker, and versatility is everything, uh, particularly the linebacker spot. If you're not going to be the starter, the Steelers are going to expect you to play in special teams, and I think that's a real bonus that he brings. I hope he doesn't have to play much if he's drafted in the top three rounds. I hope he's paired alongside um, Devin Bush there. Character. Now he got offered three schools: Colorado State, Nevada, and Wyoming. His father and grandfather went to Wyoming and he picked it because he wanted that tradition. Now I would have said Nevada probably the better school to go to um, from a football point at that time. If you look at the programs, not that Wyoming's bad. That's a pretty rare trait um, in this day and age, and I love it from I also think you think about the Steelers, you think about the Steel Curtain defense, you think about the black and gold and our heritage and the steel away. You want a guy that likes and appreciates, you know, uh, history. He's got character. He's the right character at this point in time. Now, drafting really gives you options, um, even if Bush gets back to his best. You know, Shannon asked me whether we wanted him in case Bush doesn't. Jeff Benedict has said before about Bush's speed and ability to play in the slot or hybrid safety roles. I think that's great if you get moving still because you can allow Bush to go do this if he gets his speed back. There's no Hilton on the roster and it gives this defense versatility. Secondly, if you're playing a 3-4 in the NFL, which obviously the Steelers do, they're playing more sub package than ever before. Let alone if you're playing for a coach who helped create or establish the Tampa defense in Mike Tomlin. And then you look at Austin at the helm who knows Bush really well. The versatility that you know Muma is going to provide is actually going to be really helpful. Another thing I like about him, he's consistent. I'll compare him to some of Devin Bush's pr- production shortly, but you basically see he's more consistent. And while he has a slightly less number of sacks, um, you've got to consider what he help he had on his team versus what Devon had on his team, plus the quality of coaching and the bigger role that Muma had to play throughout that whole defense and throughout that whole year as a contributor. He has more INTs at the college level, more tackles for a loss, and a forced fumble ahead of Bush. Last year, he had almost more total tackles, that being 2021 season, than Bush had in his final two seasons combined. If anything, I think the worry with Muma is how much tread in the ties he's got left. But then I think about Najee and how the right prep helped him out. And so, therefore, I think that's something that's really key in that just because size had a lot of proven production doesn't mean that he can't do it um, at the <laughs> NFL level. Um, he was also the lead tackling tackler um, in college football, according to sports reference last year. Pro, yeah, sports reference, which is pro football references, college version. Um, he definitely looks like he's got a great feel for the game and football IQ. I think he did a mechanical engineering degree too. So his mind is built that way and able to understand how things are composed together and how things come together to form a greater outcome. Actually, that's really important from that intelligence perspective, particularly at the linebacker position. I need to get more across his tape from a coverage skills perspective, Um, but I'm confident of the transition to the NFL there with the right coaching, particularly Terrell Austin as a defensive coordinator. Um, And so I wanted to share a few PFF numbers. Um, So defensive grade overall in 2021, 90.3, 2020, 78.2, 2019, 76.7, 47 in uh, 2018. Now that's PFF. Not all the grades are great, but you're going to see something develop here in 2018. His run defense was 60. Um, he only participated in run defense. So they gave him a score there. 2019, it was 77.3. 2020, 87.8. And in 2021, it was 91.1. Incredible. Like that's Devin Lloyd numbers. Tackling, 73.3 in 2019. In 2020, it was 85.4. 86.9 in 2021. Uh, Pass rush. 19 in 2019, 73.7 in 2020, 67.9 in 2021. Uh, Coverage, 59.8 in 2019, 61.7 in 2020, and 77.7 in 2021. He's a guy that's getting better as he gets a better feel for the game. Snaps by position. He's played 31 in the defensive line last season. Uh, He played 774 in the box. And that was a nice spread too. Um, inside linebacker accounted for the majority of them, but he played, um, you know, what they'd consider outside linebacker. So outside linebacker was only played in the D-line, so he played the 31 snaps, but he played almost on the outside um, for a combined uh, 310 or so snaps. He played slot corner in 88 snaps, which is pretty interesting um, there. He played uh, wide corner on one snap, um, free safety on four snaps, Uh, and then he was part of the blocking team with 58. He actually had a kick return um, at one point as well. Fun to note. If you look at the grades against the teams this season, I think it was Montana State. I think that he had 77 there. Um, NIU, 85.8. Ball State, uh, 87.6. UConn, 62.7. AF, 82.6. Uh, Fresno State, 67. I think it's University of Montana, that logo. It's very small on my screen, 84.8. Um, San Jose State University, 51.1. Uh, CSU, 85.9. BSU, 64.8. Uh, USU, 76.7. Hawaii, 55.1. Kent, uh, 71.6. Career defensive grades, as I said, in 2019, 78.2 in 2020, 90.3 in 2021. That compares to Devin Bush. You know, in 2018, his defensive grade was 84.6, run defense 74.1, tackle 69.6, pass rush 84.4, and coverage 87. Um, So, you know, he's about in the mix with Devin, but Devin's slightly higher coverage ratings um, and probably pass rush there. And that reflects in the sack numbers that they had both through college um, in 2017 Devin was 29.2 sorry 90.2 uh, 86.9 for run defense tackling 91.5 pass rush 84.2 and coverage 76.7 if you look at over there all their college numbers just to flesh it out finally you know 81 so 91 total solo tackles for Devin Bush in 3 years 81 assisted tackles for a total of 172 18 and a half for a loss 10 sacks one interception Eleven pass defenses in four years, and remember, he didn't play that much in in his first year. Only played two games. You know, Muma had uh, 145 solo tackles, 121 assisted tackles for 266 overall. 142 of those in the last season. We've just had 19 tackles for a loss, eight two years in a row. Uh, 5.5 sacks, four and a half of those come in the last two years. Three interceptions this past season um two touchdowns this past season um two forced fumbles one in each the past two seasons he's up there he can replace devon bush if you need him to replace him and if devon bush comes back he's another way to get more versatile in the defense and another guy um that can give you more depth and ability to do some faster things and really yeah make it a fast defense um but look with that that wraps up this week Steels warren as i said Part one, if you need to go back and listen to it, 25 players to watch in free agency as of this moment. Part two, 25 players to watch in the combine out of the 324 that have been announced. and A deep player profile, one of my favorite guys in this draft, Chad Moomer out of Wyoming. Where one day he's a Pittsburgh Steeler.